Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The obvious reason for inflation is that the government printed a zillion amount of more money than it had. We are seeking uh, manufacturers from around the globe who may have available product. Every spark out there is going to start a new fire. UAPs are unexplained. It's true, but they are real. Can do things that no earthbound vehicle can do. We want to know what's out there as much as you want to know what's out there. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views, Tom, Benny, Clark, and you. Election Day, primary election day, 2022. Now, I know this is just Pitt County, but my hunch is these numbers are probably going to be fairly similar throughout our listening area. I would say as you get down towards Onslow County, it's a little bit more conservative. Eh, it's a lot more conservative in some circles, and perhaps their numbers are going to be a little bit higher. But in Pitt County, uh, the election turnout, not enormous, 14.9% of the total number of uh, voters that could vote. Uh, compare that in 2018, it was 12.6. Back in 2014, it is 116 so it is higher than uh, many other uh, recent, many other, two other recent uh, primary midterm elections. That's why I go back to 2018 and 2014. Those were the last midterms. I would say that, and, and by the way, there's an individual who is working at one of the polling places whom I sleep with, and uh, <laughs> she, has, <laughs> she has said at their polling place, overwhelmingly, number of, of republicans as compared to to democrats she, she seemed to think it was like somewhere around 80 20 wow yeah and the other thing that was really interesting she said was the the vast number of unaffiliated independent voters that have come in have asked for a republican ballot yeah it was either today or yesterday carolina journal reported statewide that number was 62 percent in early voting in early yeah. voting but still that's uh that's pretty significant now uh, I, I saw that same article, and uh, if you look at the early voting numbers, according to the North Carolina Board of Education, 577,232 uh, voters cast early ballots, 290,000 requested a Democrat ballot, 284,000 requested a Republican ballot. That is giving the Democrats a 50.3 percentage advantage to 90. Four, I'm sorry, to 49.3. So basically a percentage point advantage for the Democrats. But put that into context. The uh, in, it, it, Two things in, in context. One, Democrats always come out and vote early in greater number than Republicans. Mm-hmm. Republicans are, you know, they're, they're conservative. They want to do the things that they've always done. And that one of those old-fashioned things that they've always done is vote on election day i'm I'm one of those people in that category but also to put it in context in 2020 the number for democrats again this year it was 50 percent to 49 percent in 2020 the democrats were 68 percent of the early ballots wow Hmm. so uh, as as benny and i were talking before we went on the air that's not good news for the democrats Uh, those those numbers are now, now, granted, I know it's a primary, and you look at the primary and you say, okay, well, in the U.S. Senate race, it's not that big of a race for the Democrats. That's true. 
it's you know much more competitive for the Republicans. Uh, you look at some of the district race or the congressional races, and you could say the same thing. For example, in District One, you know you had eight Republicans running. Basically, and I know there's more than two Democrats running, but there's really only two viable uh, Democrats running in in the Democratic primary. But still, the enthusiasm I think is going to carry over to the general election. I think a big reason why a number of these Democrat numbers are down is uh, they're embarrassed to be a Democrat. Mm. I mean, what, the, what, the the number of people that say that, according to a new poll that was out, I think it was just out yesterday, the number of people that think that that the United States is on the wrong track is north. Uh, it's uh, almost. 70, I think it was 78%, something yeah, like that. it was. Yeah. It was in the upper 70s. And, I mean, to your point, um, what's there for the Democrats to go vote against? Because it's not a lot there for you could say they're going to vote for. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure some you know, some Trump supporters that are, you know, always been Trump supporters. I voted for Donald Trump, but I won't, you know, I, I didn't vote for him in the primary. I mean, you could say, well... Will Donald Trump, if Donald Trump gets in the presidential election next time, well, that gives the Democrats something to vote against because unless things change, they're not going to have anything to vote for in the next presidential election. Yeah, I, I'm afraid if things don't change, um, we may not have a country left uh, if things keep going the way they're well, going. Well, and, I mean, and even liberals are, are are thinking that. You know, people that say, I, I love this country, but I'm, I'm one of the naive, useful idiots that that think the Democrat policies are actually kind and wonderful, and so therefore I'm going to vote Democrat. I don't like those harsh Republicans. Where they're seeing how far it has gone, they're seeing it is destroying our country. And quite frankly, I don't think the argument that you know that uh, Donald Trump, I don't like his tweets. I, that's just not going to hold water. Mm. I mean, it's just not going to hold water this next time. Would well, you ever remember a primary? And I, and I think it's some of this in the Democrat, much so, much more so on the Republican side. But do you ever remember a primary where, where, where the opponents really, I mean, just really went after each other they are. Like, like this time? And they uh, are, yeah. And even on the Democrat side, I've I kind of started paying a little bit more attention to it the last couple of weeks just because I hadn't paid any attention They're to it. They're throwing some mud. They're throwing some mud over there. And when you go to these other, you know, the Ma- Madison-Cawthorn race is kind of kind of a national thing, and as well as the uh, District 1 in North Carolina with, uh, you know, Sandy Smith and Sandy Robertson going after each other. But even some of these other districts in North Carolina, um, there, well, there's, some, there's some arrows being thrown yeah. at each other, just yeah. more so than I ever remember. Well, unfortunately, it's true. It is... You, you can't argue this point that uh, negative advertising works. It it, it, it it does. And people hear something, they hear something nasty. You know, if you're undecided, if you're thinking, okay, both these people look pretty good. You know, both mm-hmm. of them say they're conservative. Both of them are saying the right things. And suddenly you hear something that, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, used to uh, – kick his dog yeah well you know everything else is the same i don't like dog kickers and and it happens every election time you know you know the polls and 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 studies will say well people i just don't like this negative advertising but the they work yeah they work big time because i and i hear people all the time that know nothing about the senate race Uh, i gotta i gotta vote for ted bud because you know man i and all they've seen is this negative advertising and it's it works 
I've actually heard some people say today, I, I can't I can't vote for Ted Budd because of those negative negative ads. I, I actually have heard that too, and uh, and it said the same thing. They can't put a finger on it other than that. Well, that's all he does is attack his opponents. He doesn't say anything about himself, and so I mean. It, you know, I guess he would argue, well, hey, they're not my ads. They're somebody else's ads, you know, some of these packs or whatever. Yeah, the, 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 the sad on. truth, and maybe it'll change this year because the country is in such dire straits. But the sad truth is the average person that walks into the voting booth has no clue who to vote for no. or what they stand for. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I and I don't mind answering these texts and phone calls, but... But you're probably just like me. Um, yep. You've oh, had a lot I've, of texts and phone calls. Uh, yep. Uh, hey, what do you think about this? I mean, it really is hard to get un- unbiased. And of course, you could argue that I'm not unbiased opinion, but uh, but it's hard to get unbiased opinions about candidates because uh, you know everything. When you go, if you Google them, you're going to just see a negative, negative this, negative that. You know. Well, that's why I try, and I know you do as well. Talk about the issues, talk about the stories, and and try to give as much information on the candidates. But we don't come on this program and say, you need to go out and vote for so-and-so. Now, some people might listen in and say, oh, the things you have said about so-and-so, you know, well, if if we're saying something, it's out of a news story or it's something that, that we have heard from a very reliable source, and we're passing that information on, but we're not telling you who to vote for. We, we do hope our listeners listen in and, we, and find our information helpful in how to vote. But, uh, again, that decision is up to you. We will uh, find out by uh, probably not, not too late into the evening, I would think, uh, who, who the winners are going to be in these uh, congressional races. The Supreme, uh, Well, the Supreme Court races are going to be interesting to find out who wins. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's some good candidates that are running against each other. Uh, there's some other candidates that um, – are running on the Republican side in the uh, appeals court race that some people have said have some have some questions about that individual. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll cover most of that tomorrow. We we had um, let's see Beth Freshwater Smith. That's the right. only that's the only judicial person we had on the air. Is correct. that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be fun. When we get into <clears throat> the uh, general election. We'll have uh, many more folks on. You're talking about the uh, situation with um, the, the Democrats slinging mud. Interestingly, already uh, just a couple of days before the primary, we started seeing ads come out that really concern the general election. Apparently, the uh, Republican Senatorial Committee, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, has already decided that the uh, Democrat U.S. candidate, Sherry Beasley, will win her race, which a lot of people have pretty much acknowledged that. Uh, the uh, individual running against her pretty much threw in the towel. But um, there, there's an article by uh, Mitch Kokai out of the Carolina Journal talking about a new ad from the uh, U.S. Uh, or the National Republican Senatorial Campaign calling into question some campaign material that Beasley has put out where she says, I'll never stop fighting to make North Carolina safe. Uh, their new ad, it's only a 30-second ad, and they don't go into a lot of detail, although Mitch Kokai in his article goes into a lot of detail, but saying, wait a minute, her record as a justice on the North Carolina Supreme Court does not add up to the statement that I'll never stop fighting to make North Carolina safe. Uh, safe. 
And Mitch goes into several different uh, cases that she ruled on. Uh, one of those cases is State versus Robinson, which is mentioned in this ad briefly. Uh, that's from August 2020. Beasley wrote that the majority opinion for a 4-3 split at the state Supreme Court, defendant Marcus Raymond Robinson had been sentenced to death for a 1994 murder connected to a robbery where he shot a 17-year-old victim in the face. 26 years later, Beasley and three of her colleagues vacated Robertson's death sentence. They focused on a state law called the Racial Justice Act. You might remember that. Oh, yeah. And we, I remember Sadie and I talking about that years ago. The law had allowed death row inmates to use statistics totally unrelated to their particular case. But the statistics that they could use were, okay, well, look, there appears to be too many African-Americans in prison. Therefore, uh, you, you cannot uh, actually carry out the sentence against me, the death row sentence against me, because of, this, of these st- statistics. Dissenting justices would have sent Robinson back to a trial court for another hearing. Then Associate Justice, now Chief Justice, Paul Newby, the court's only Republican at the time, skewered Beasley's opinion, saying, as monarch King Louis XVI once famously said, it is legal because it's my will. Today, four justices of this court adopt the same approach into the law, into the law violating the norms of appellate review and disregarding or distorting precedent as necessary to reach their desired result. Apparently, in their view, the law is whatever they say it is. So not much has changed at the North Carolina Supreme Court, as we've seen that happen a couple of times this year. The majority decision ended up uh, commuting Robertson's death sentence to a life in prison. The second case, State versus White, dates back to May of 2019, three months after Cooper installed Beasley as Chief Justice. Remember, Beasley wasn't uh, elected she was installed yeah in fact uh when when cooper appointed her he kind of broke precedence of of appointing the most uh experienced judge instead just like democrats the most liberal, do, liberal check the box check the box i mean nothing against miss beasley but you know she happened to check the boxes of being a woman an african-american woman and, and a highly partisan liberal <laughs> and, and extremely partisan and that racial justice act back to that i remember when that came out reading up on that that quite possibly could have been the most i can't believe it's constitutional constitutionally unsound thing that's ever been passed um it's just amazing in this white case the defendant confessed to writing sexual uh writing putting this in writing that he sexually molested a seven-year-old girl but the lawyers argued that his conviction should be thrown out because it failed to mention the victim by name. In other words, a seven-year-old girl, they were trying to protect the girl, and they only referred to the girl as victim number one. And Beasley said, oh, yeah, the, the lawyers are right. You didn't mention them by name, so therefore it's really not a valid conviction. Even liberal Democrat Justice Michael Morgan rejected Beasley's reasoning in a dissent. He critiqued Beasley's narrow and rigid interpretation and the application of law. In a separate dissent, Newby argued that the disputed indictment has caused the defendant no harm. Once again, a child victim must endure the emotional distress and indignities of another trial because of a purely legal technicality, Newby wrote. Uh, there's another, uh, uh, a third um, case out there, State versus Keller. Beasley's 5-2 decision in that dispute ordered a new trial for a man who had been caught soliciting online sex the defendant thought he was soliciting a 15-year-old boy. He was actually uh, propositioning a police detective. 
And Beasley came out and said, well, you know, it was really entrapment. So uh, therefore, we need to uh, go ahead and let him off. Um, I, I bring that up to say that this woman will be running probably against Ted Budd. Uh, you, now, they're already spending, the, the National Republican uh, um, Senatorial Committee has already earmarked a million dollars for this ad that they're putting out there. But my goodness, you're going to see more and more and more of this. And of all the years to have a terrible record on criminal justice, a terrible record on criminal justice, uh, this is not the year for Beasley to be running with that type of record. You would think so, but I, you know, I know, I know the Democrats will spend an awful lot of money. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, oh. that it'll be a record because North Carolina is, you know, it's it's one of those. Uh, both parties have got to have it. Yeah. Really, I Henry think. Hinton can go out and order his new car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we got to take a time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Join the show, 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Clear skies tonight, a low of 57. Good sleeping weather. Tomorrow, mainly sunny, a high of 86. Thursday, partly cloudy, a high of 93. So it's going to warm up as the week goes on. But uh, really, really between up. now and uh, Monday... Although Monday cools down quite a bit. Monday, it drops down to 76 degrees. But uh, all in all, lots of sunshine. So uh, get out and enjoy. Warmer weather is here. What a better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside. Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, Clay Service Tennis Courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact Membership Director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. So yesterday, the Senate voted on that $40 billion package for Ukraine. There were 11 senators that voted against it. 81 voted for it. I'm assuming there were eight that did not vote. Uh, those who voted against the bill, Mike Braun of Indiana, Bill Haggerty and Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, John Bozeman of Arkansas, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Mike Lee of Utah, Rand Paul of Kentucky, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, Roger Marshall of Kansas, Mike Crapo of Idaho, Josh Holly of Missouri, they, they voted to block the bill. I thought there was a great point made by Josh Hawley. I mean, all of them said, look, we cannot afford this. And, there, and secondly, they said there's a lot of pork in this thing, which there is. I mean, it was a when you get something through this quickly, you know there's kind of, you know the Democrats are going to put something in there that ought not to be in there. But the other thing that I thought Josh Hawley made a great point of was, listen, we're staying up to the plate. We've already given them a lot, mm-hmm. and we're coming up with forty billion dollars. And what are the European countries doing? Here we are once again bailing out the rest of the world i and listen i feel for the Euro, uh, the uh, ukrainian people i really do and i realize they need help but boy when when you know when your family's drowning do you throw the life preserver over to the uh, uh, you know the the next lifeboat over i i mean i know we're not in as bad shape as ukraine is and i hear that and i understand that russia is our adversary i understand that but I, I would have to agree with the 11 that voted against this. I can only speculate 
I, I did not see a list of the senators that voted for the $40 billion package, but I can only spe- speculate that Burr and Tillis voted for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get the position of uh, Greg Murphy voted for it. I'd like, I'd like to get his position of why. I'd like to get Tom Tillis's if they want to call in and give us their reason why. But, you know, as I remember looking at it, you know, the, that of that 40 amount, um, you know, some of that was for agricultural assistance. Um, I think it was like eight or 10, 10 billion, right? If I got the numbers right, eight or 10 of the 40. Yeah. I think eight, I, 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 you I know more specifics think of the details. Or, I think eight or 10 of it was like, uh, that basically joe biden the slush fund well he had the executive authority so okay so who's going what's the controls on that i mean it and i just (laughs) well half of it goes to hunter and the other half goes to the big guy i mean we're not in a position to your point we're not in position yeah we've already done a lot i respect the ukrainian people the one thing that donald trump did and he was mocked about it i mean he was holding uh europe's feet to the fire we're taking care of themselves and and where where are they in all this how much are they going to put up yeah 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 i mean now now when trump was there he said you're gonna have to pony up and guess what they ponied up now we're we're back to like it was before okay we're gonna we're gonna don't worry uncle sam will pay it all don't you poor people open checkbook five six one eight two five five randy from greenville has been waiting patiently hey randy hey randy hey hey guys i just wanted to say I think we have some big problems in the Republican Party. I mean, I know that's like, duh. But, for instance, when you got like 10 or 11 people running in District 1. There's actually eight, but yeah, there's a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, and and there's a couple other races kind of similar to that. It's confusing to everybody. You know, you you got the candidates tearing each other apart, while the Democrats only have, you know, one or two at most. And, you know, you see that. um, It's just it's just bad, and it, it it's just bad for spending all the money that could be uh, spent behind one solid candidate. You know, they need to get these people together and say, look, some of you, you know, it's nice that you want to run and serve, but realistically this isn't your year, this isn't the time, and they need to reach some kind of agreement of at least get it down to two people or three at most, but eight people i mean this is ridiculous yeah but generally generally speaking um randy it comes down to two or three i mean mm-hmm. even if you look at, at at the now maybe in in the uh congressional district one maybe it's maybe it's four people listen i understand what you're saying uh, the, the other side of the coin though is on the democrat side you know they, they get their marching orders and uh you better not get out of line and i know there's some of that in in the republican side but I'd like to think that the Republicans are a little bit more independent in their thinking. And, and, and frankly, I want a citizenry legislation, legislators, mm-hmm. legislation. I mean, I, I want the legislature to be made up of businessmen, people with a variety of backgrounds, people with a variety of demographics, black, white, uh, male, female. I, I do think we need a lot more business people in there, and uh, it, it's it's always it's more disappointing to me that you see these lifelong politicians that jump in, you know, they run for city council and they their career is on the political track. I'd much rather see um, people from a variety of different backgrounds, especially business backgrounds. We got plenty of lawyers or, there, and we need more businessmen, or or some type of organizational leadership position. Maybe not necessarily business; it could be right. other things. But I, I'm 
you know, I don't like seeing uh, when I when I look at someone's a candidate's uh, background and, and they've basically worked for political campaigns their entire career. Yeah, I, I yeah. Mean, wh- and then it, they what, say, "Hey, now's my turn." Yeah, so. I mean, it also could say that you know, hey, the Republicans got a deeper bench than the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with your. Uh, I do agree that it would be good to get some of these people together and say, "Boy, let's a let's not tear each other apart because it's going to be used in the general election." But B, let's let's uh, save our ammo, keep it dry, so we can use it in the general election. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I agree with what both of you just just said. I'm just saying, but by the time you get this deep into a, to election day, it just seems like we're doing the Democratic Party's work for them when you when you start having our people tear each other apart. I, now, I agree with I agree with that, Randy. I think I think these candidates should be giving you a reason to vote for them not vote yeah. against someone else yeah. now i agree with that yeah and and um you know i had well i'm, I'm giving it away here I, I uh well i will just say this i i did not vote for the person that i thought was the best candidate in the u.s senate race in terms of who you know i the, the person that i thought would do the best job i did not vote for that person because i just didn't feel like they had a chance of winning but um, and maybe that's wrong of me, but uh, you know, it's I usually vote for who the I think is the most conservative candidate that also has the best shot of winning. But uh, Randy, thanks for your input. Thanks, Appreciate Randy. it. Thanks for listening. Five six one eight two five five. So, Corinne Jean Pierre, the uh, new press secretary. Ooh, she was reading from some scripts. Well, she? Well, she well, wasn't I, doing I, a very good job. I, I, boy, I tell you what, I have got the audio. We're going to play it here in a second. But apparently, she's a great admirer of Kamala Harris mm. and Kamala Harris's word salad answers on world world <laughs> events. Uh, Peter Ducey, uh, uh, Peter Ducey, when when I heard he was going to be a White House correspondent, I thought, oh, I don't know how well that's going to go over. He is. Peter, I am sorry. Anything I ever thought that was negative about you, yeah. you're the only one that has a couple. Mm-hmm. And all, all these others, and listen, you know what? I, I look at when they're in this press room, I look at these liberals who are looking at Peter as he's asking these questions, and I actually see admiration in their eyes. Now, I know politically they're probably in disagreement with him, but they're probably thinking to themselves, man, I wish I had enough chutzpah to ask the questions that he asked anyway yesterday peter Ducey asked jean pierre about a recent biden tweet claiming that the way to deal with the current inflation rate would be to use um tax increases to make sure quote you've heard this before the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share here's the question and here's the answer he tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, and that is important to do, and uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build an America that's safe, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. But how does 
raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So look, I think we encourage those who have done very well right, especially those who care about climate change uh, to support a fair ta tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation and not let this, this, that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex existential problem, if you think about that as an example, and to support basic collective bargaining rights as well, right, that's also important. But look, it is, you know, by not, if, without having a fair tax code, which is what I'm talking about, then all, every, like manufacturing workers, cops, you know, it's not fair for them to have to pay higher taxes than the folks that, who are, who are, who are not paying taxes at all. Wow. <laughs> so collective bargaining and climate change is going to help bring down inflation. And that last part that she said, uh, you know, cops and, and I can't remember if she said teachers, you know, essentially saying that same democrat lie that they pay more taxes than you know corporate ceos and that that is an absolute lie i mean well, it's just and, I, and listen I, the idea that corporations aren't paying taxes the shareholders pay the taxes they're the ones that own the corporations yeah i mean i, I could get deep in the weeds and probably probably lose interest in our audience here but you know corporate corporate taxes i mean there's an argument that uh, whatever taxes they pay, they're not paying it. The consumer is paying yeah. it when they buy the product. Bingo. But, but the fact – you just go look at the facts of who pays the taxes, and it's, it's wealthy Americans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's yeah. some things, there's some loopholes that I could get into details of that I think should should go away. But they still finance this government, not even a, not even close to that lie that they keep saying. And that's what it is because they're smarter than that. Author Nick Adams, Republican, uh, wrote that uh, Jean-Pierre, um, what doesn't curb inflation, taxing the rich, which does curb inflation, increase labor participation, reduce government spending, quantitative tightening, lower energy prices, somebody give Corinne Jean-Pierre some notes, <laughs> some better notes than what she read off of. Yeah, she's uh, she's got a ways to go to be as slick as Jen Psaki was on on spinning the lies. Uh, yeah, she, I don't. I just this, a little. We're always making predictions. We're always wrong, but I, I bet she does not last as long as as Psaki lasts. Yeah, I don't know if you heard her open yesterday, but she opened about you know the monumental achievement of her being an immigrant, her being uh, <laughs> make me vomit. her being uh, les a black lesbian, les a black lesbian, the first, 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 first. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about yeah. any of those things. I, hear I care about if you know what in the hell you're doing. And that's what most people <laughs> care about. So we're going to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We speak the language of news. Let us translate. They told me to read this. I'm not allowed to go off script or I will get in trouble. When they talk, there are still predictions. How dare you ask me that? I am way smarter than you. I'm up here. You're down there. We'll explain. What unifies us is the nonsense, 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 uh, unintelligible 
Nonsense. What happens next happens here with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back on this Tuesday, May 17th, primary day. Um, and if you hadn't voted yet, uh, polls are open, I believe, till 7.30. Is that right, Clark? I believe that's right, till 7.30. So uh, a lot of early voting done already, as we discussed early in the program. But uh, if you hadn't voted Please ex- exercise your constitutional right to vote and um, vote for um, who, who best suits what you believe in. And uh, you still still some time to get out. Uh, programming note tomorrow, we've got a couple of guests tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> later in the program tomorrow, we have John Bell, uh, North, uh, the North Carolina House. Uh, his district, I'm sorry, John, forgive me but i can't remember what district that is but he's over in wayne county but he will be here tomorrow to talk about some legislative priorities in the short session um so, so he will be at 5 45 and at 5 15 we will have david walker you may be familiar with david walker we've had him on at least a couple of times i've known david since uh well, uh, probably 2008 or nine, when he uh, he was former Comptroller General of the United States, and he has been uh, screaming to the top of his lungs about the debt problems in the United States and where we will be in a few years. And he's you know written a couple of bestsellers about it. Uh, he wrote an op-ed with the Washington Times last week, and we will have him tomorrow at 5:15 to discuss what. Uh, what can Congress do and what the states can do and what we as voters can do to see if we can get Congress's attention. And that's tomorrow at 515. Uh, yesterday, um, an article out of the Washington Times, Charles Hurt. Charles Hurt is a Washington Times uh, correspondent, also a Fox News contributor on one of the shows for Fox News, has, has written uh, print media for years. He had an article about the tragedy in Buffalo, in Buffalo, New York. Um, you know, we, we see this time and time again when, when the Democrats and politicians, the mainstream media, you know, follows right their lead. It's like they're connected at the hip on these issues. Everyone knows it was a just a gruesome, awesome tragedy for anyone that lost a family member in that. But, uh, but the left's agenda always goes straight out and tries to divide people again and, and talk about the... Um, talk talk about it and he had a great piece in the washington times talking about it where, where you know the democrats just as soon as they could get in front of the tv they start talking about the white supremacist issue and and yes the guy had a i think 180 page manifesto that went into you know all sorts of racial things but it also you know he also uh ran down conservatives conservatives jews uh everybody can think of the guy obviously had a mental health issue and uh but the Democrats want to get political points. And here today, uh, Joe Biden goes up to Buffalo to you know, console the families is how it's sold. But he goes into it, it was a political, uh, p- political move on his part. But he did not attend the uh, Wisconsin tragedy here back during Christmas when the guy that ran over, uh, I think it was 60 hurt, maybe five or six killed in the Christmas parade up in Wisconsin. And this particular man that did that was an African-American that had all sorts of social media posts where he was, uh, I mean, you can make the argument that he was a black supremacist. uh, And, you know, he sends Jill Biden. 
and there's you know wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of focus on the White House. wasn't a lot of focus just a few weeks ago when there was a subway bombing in New York, and uh, that was a black man that um, that just went up and started shooting the subway. Just an awful, awful tragedy. I think the focus should be more on that Buffalo tragedy as opposed to making it a political issue. Let's talk about the mental health issue in the United States. Uh, it was a young man, 18 years old, from all reports, is from a normal family, if you will. His parents were engineers, um, and he you know, just recently graduated from high school. Let, let's look at the mental health issue. He, he had been in, I think, a day and a half in the hosp- hospital last uh, summer for some comments he made about maybe shooting up a high school or, or something like that. You know, we've got a mental health problem in this America. There's there's no reason that they should politicize something for political gain. If he truly went up there to console the families, then there shouldn't be any cameras away around. He shouldn't get up and make announcements and talk about it. He should um, he should just go console the families if that's what it's all about. But if you check out on the Washington Times Charles Hurt's article, and he talks about it, it's a great, great article. And uh, we're going to try to have Charles on uh, – one day this week if possible but uh, i got to know charles here a couple weeks ago met him at an event and uh so we'll try to get him to talk about talk about that when he comes on uh as i said earlier tomorrow at 5 15 we'll have um we'll have dave walker and dave walker uh will talk about his his article and his book he had out uh last year about we're getting to a point with our national debt where maybe no no return uh we are 70 percent of our federal budget is health care, uh, Social Security, and Medicare, and interest. And if we don't get a hold of that, it may be no point of no return. So we're going to take a break and be back and uh, come and join us. Take care. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back. Uh, continue some stories that's been on several outlets today, the New York Post, Fox News, um, several, several outlets. Apparently, Black Lives Matters uh, Form 990, which is a nonprofit 501c3 tax reporting form to the IRS, uh, hit, the, hit the waves and, and it's got a lot of information on it. So it looks like the race baiting industry pays pretty well. Um, the co-founder's uh, brother, Patrice Culler's brother, Paul Culler, saw $840,000 hit his bank account um, from Black Lives Matter, as well as uh, consulting fees of $970,000 to produce live events. Now, the foundation had a $4 million operating budget and $42 million in assets. They collected $90 million, and at the end of the year, they had $42 million in real estate and stocks as you remember i don't hear several weeks ago it was uncovered that they bought miss colors a house for i think six million somewhere in la so apparently the race baiting industry that started during the george floyd protests and you know they held hostage corporate and institutional america for money it seems like they're benefiting privately and uh, not really spending a lot of money in these communities that could actually use it the form 990 documents uh, 63 pages and it talks about um, also a hundred and twenty thousand dollar payment for undisclosed consulting fees to to patrice colors again now she's no longer with the organization 
according to uh, according to the organization itself. She resigned as executive director. But here's just another case of, you know, if you're going to help the community, help the community. And these these things right here is absolutely no way you can justify these type of consulting fees to your your family and friends and that type of thing. And uh, you know, Bowers uh, Bowers, that's executive director of the organization, she received over $2 million for, uh, for providing operational support, staff, and fundraising. So it's all out there. Uh, once the 990 hit the, hit the, because uh, it's public information, the public charity is public information. You can go out there and find it. And it's just another case of people taking advantage of a situation and using a tragedy like the George Floyd tragedy to, um, to benefit them privately. Um, Got a story today that was actually out of WCTI's. One of them stories you just got to cover. Um, a water tower in Arkansas is going viral after someone shot it, but it's where the shot landed that has people talking. The water tower in Kingsland, Arkansas, about an uh, hour from Little Rock, has a tower with Johnny Cash on it, painted on it, and and someone, yeah, silhouette, and someone has shot the tower and shot. Johnny Cash silhouette in the groin, so so water is leaking out of the tower, and I mean it's just you got to see it to believe it. It was on WCTI today, and uh, hey, I guess it's one of those things. You know, maybe Johnny was trying to find that ring of fire. What do you think and put it out? But I just had to, I just had to talk about it. It was just kind of funny. But uh, anyway, um, that's it for today. Look, polls are open till seven thirty tonight. Go out and vote and um, cast your ballot for who you want to win. And uh, we will cover what uh, some of the surprises tomorrow, some not surprises, but we'll have all the race covers tomorrow. We'll have David Walker at 515, John Bell about 545. And please come and join us tomorrow. I think we'll have an informative program with the elections coverage. And uh, have a good evening, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful weather. Take care. All right, all right.